Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and IoT professionals all around the world. You are listening to Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors, and I am Ken Briota, your host. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're really excited about this episode. My guest today is Lou Lutostansky. Uh, Lou, I apologize for mispronouncing your name there, uh, of Avnet. And uh, we're going to talk about what I think is one of the greatest challenges currently facing the IoT industry and uh, what Lou, I believe, thinks is uh, also a great opportunity. Lou, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate uh, your time here on the show today. Uh, we're really happy to have you. Uh, in case folks aren't familiar with you or with Avnet, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of your background and sort of what you guys work on day to day? Sure. I started in uh, sales at Avnet back in 1987 uh, and have been with Avnet outside of a 12-year uh, sabbatical I took with a Freescale Semiconductor. But I've been back about five years and I've been solid on IoT for about a year. And, uh, you know, we're trying to increase the adoption of IoT for all. Uh, that's quite a mission statement. I like it. Um, <laughs> um, but let's uh, let's dig into the meat here on uh, on real world IoT. We uh, we like to strip off the varnish and and dig our dig our fingers into the meat of the IoT. And uh, as we were talking about earlier, the one of the big issues facing the industry, I think, that is really slowing the rates of adoption is uh, trust factor, uh, uh, sort of a, a evaluation of the risk, and I think that the risk is perceived to be a lot higher than it needs to be. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I think that's a very fair assessment. I do think the risk is high uh, in the implementation of IoT if you don't approach it from the right factors, from the right way. And uh, let's let's start by talking a little bit about that risk. Uh, are you talking mainly purely about security risk, uh, data protection, or are you talking more about uh, uh, business cost-benefit analysis risk? I'm talking more about the latter. Uh, of course, security is always going to be an issue in any system you develop, but I think the risks associated with IoT fall into three major buckets. I think there's the risk of the business case. I think too many people... Uh, don't know why they're doing IoT in the first place. I think the second risk is the implementation, the actual marriage of OT or operational technology with information technology or IT. And I think, you know, the lifecycle management of the infrastructure once it's in place is a risk. And I think until you have an evolution of solution providers that can handle those three risks to de-risk the project, I think it's going to be, you know, a, an uphill battle to get people to adopt IoT in mass. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I mean, in the consumer space, I think we're really seeing that. It, it's it's really hard to get consumers to adopt beyond the early adopters who I think are uh, nearly already in the fold. Uh, so getting the mass market has become very challenging, I think, for the consumer-facing folks. But also on the industrial side, I think... In the uh, enterprise side and the industrial side, because the risks are larger, the the taking that first step of an implementation is really getting to be difficult for folks beyond the test case phase. And I'm wondering if that's what you're hearing too. It's sort of what I'm observing from my 10,000 mile high spot. But like, I'm wondering if that's what you're hearing too, and what some of the specific reasons for that might be. 
I think uh, the number one complaint I hear is what you mentioned, the test case, or what's called in, in the industry proof of concept. And, and many have renamed it proof of concept purgatory. That's where you go and try to implement technology to get information off a device, and the program never gets off the ground. Right. I think clearly the reason for so many problems with getting proof of concepts into implementation is primarily because IoT is not about technology. It's about business transformation. The technology is an enabler. And if you start a proof of concept to get the data without understanding the business reason or the business case why you're trying to use the technology, you'll fail most of the time. Yeah. I had a long conversation recently about proof of concept uh, specifically and test beds and and all this other sort of uh, dip our toe in strategy. And uh, the person I was talking to advocated very heavily for it. You know, it's it's a good way to make the sale and, uh, and, and get in the door. And I'm not I understand that. I totally get that strategy because an IoT implementation can be a big cost outlay to start with and, and things like that. And you've got a lot of infrastructure sometimes that you need to put in if you're starting from nothing. But I'm not entirely sure that I'm sold on the idea of a proof of concept actually illustrating the end benefits. Because to me, IoT's benefits, just looking at the efficiency element, increases exponentially with the size of the implementation or the size of the enterprise. So if you're looking at a, but you can't prove that until you show it. So if you're looking at a, a, a proof of concept that is for 1% of the, the business, you're, it's very easy to get those numbers back and go, well, this is such a low margin of improvement. It's not worth spending the, the, the additional dollars if I'm only going to get 1% improvement. What's hard to illustrate, I think, is that when you spend those X dollars, you're going to get a, a 10X amount of improvement in, in your efficiency or whatever your goal is. Does that, seem, does that play out? Does that sort of track against what your experience is? Uh, yeah, I think so, Ken. I think uh, from a business case standpoint, you have to know if you go in volume, with a certain implementation cost, what's your return going to be? Either by increased efficiencies or improved customer experiences or additional customer revenue or more uh, customer loyalty. Proof of concepts are absolutely necessary, but the other part that you're talking about there is how do you scale that across the enterprise once you've got it done and how do you do that in in a very industrialized way? Proof of concepts... Uh, to to prove the technology out, people often use devices that aren't meant for commercial applications just to prove a point. The other thing, when they do it without a business reason for doing it or a business case, and they only do the technology piece, they don't get a view of the application. And, And so we believe we need to help educate customers on a business case. The proof of concept needs to be inclusive of the cloud and inclusive of the applications, whether they be uh, you know, web applications or mobile applications, and then you move on to the second phase of risk, which is the implementation risk. How do you industrialize it? How do you make sure it's going to stand the test of time? And how do you scale it over a large number of devices? Yeah, and and that segues uh, pretty nicely, actually, into the piece of this conversation that I think is uh, – most useful and, and interesting to our listeners, I hope, uh, which is how do we address this? 
you know, if if there is hesitancy in the marketplace, which I think we both agree that there is, um, how do we overcome that? If especially if the proof of concept is not a good strategy for that, because that seems to be what everybody's using as the strategy, and yet you you hear over and over again about well we we're doing another another test case, another proof of concept, another you know trial run, and and it seems like the scale implementation, if it doesn't happen internally with a company's own internal development resources, is very rare. How do we do that? <laughs> well, I, I believe that everybody has their niche or their value that they can add to an IoT solution. And I also believe that there are multiple you know, people and organizations that need to get in, be involved in the creation of an IoT platform. Having said that, I think for the adoption to really take off and become mainstream, there's going to have to be an evolution of, of, of organizations that are called solution providers, people that can understand the business case and do consulting, people that can pull all of the people within their organization and external partners to complete the solution, and people that are able to stand behind the solution for a long period of time that are credible and that can scale. And that's what Abnet's trying to do now. Abnet's trying to take an inventory of what we've got inside, what we need outside, how we marry this thing together, and how we can have a customer make one phone call to us, and we can walk them through the whole process of here's the business case, here's the implementation, and here's the managed services or the lifecycle management that goes once we've effectively deployed. And I think it's until you, you, you have organizations like that that evolve, that the ecosystem is just going to be out there trying to serve their piece. And because it's so complicated involving everything from OT or the device level all the way up to the enterprise at the IT level, no customer is going to take the risk of trying to put these myriad of, of, of you know, providers together, component suppliers or piece suppliers together to form their own solution. Yeah, I think so. And, and the I think the piecemeal approach has value for sure and and there's a lot to be a lot to be gained there. I think that that a lot of new companies need help <laughs> in choosing those yeah. uh those piecemeal pieces. Um companies that are new to the IoT space. Um I know you you talk to a lot of folks out in the industry. You're out speaking all the time. You were at uh IoT World uh recently. Um what are you hearing out in the in the marketplace from folks? Are they are they looking to use the sort of testbed stepping stone? Are they looking to do full implementations off the bat? What do they need for evidence to show uh, a business case for this? What what do we um, what 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 should what should companies be providing to get past this uh, this hurdle? So I think uh, you have. Two answers to that question. One answer is, what do people that provide value add to an IoT implementation, what are they looking for? And they're looking for a way to integrate into a system where they can get paid for the value they add in an implementation. If you take a look at what customers are looking for, they're looking for somebody they can go to that will, that will help them through the entire you know, process of business implementation and lifecycle management. You know, there's no doubt, I think people understand, that the riskiest thing in doing an IoT is not doing IoT at all. 
because the, the ability for technology through business transformation to disrupt a business or a service or a product is immense. Sure. So if they're not trying to figure out how to do that, they're at risk. They just want the comfort of, of, of having it manageable enough where they can make some decisions and, and, and make sure that what they decide gets implemented in a cost-effective and reliable way. Yeah, and and I think that I think that part of the issue here, and and please feel free to to correct me if you if you disagree, but part of the issue is that we are still, despite the longevity of some of these implementations and plans, we're still in er, very early stage of this industry, so it's hard to say, you know, that it's hard to show a, a convincing case to some conservative folks that they're going to get. Uh, X return on this investment. They're going to find new profit centers, things like that, because those implementations are still being developed. So there's not a full roster of case studies available and best practices research that that folks can show on a that that everyone sort of agrees upon. You know, one one, one of the only long-standing ones that I can think of that has worked. Uh, over many years and provided measurable value is GE's uh, sort of engines as a service setup where they've been measuring the performance of their their jet engines for uh, almost 10 years now with IoT type sensors and devices and they've turned that into real business outcomes with things like now they've developed the digital twin that is a whole new business unit for them out of that technology and and they're creating new businesses for themselves because they made that investment earlier. Now, of course, they did that all in-house, so it was, or almost all in-house, so it was little or or, uh, no hard cost comparatively, but, but I can't think of a lot of other cases to prove that sort of thing. Ken, I think they're out there. They're just not obvious to people. You know, we were talking the other day with somebody who makes gas and water and electric meters, and they probably have millions of devices deployed, and they probably consider themselves old-time IoT. They've been doing it for a long time. But it's not mainstream now, and, and, and that's, that's the interesting part. You know, as long as it's not mainstream, there's a great opportunity. By the time it becomes mainstream, it's going to be required to survive. So there, 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 it's risk and reward. Yeah. There's opportunity today because the industry isn't, isn't in front of it. It's not used by everybody. But there are some risks that need to be overcome, and we at Avnet are trying to reduce those risks and show them up front from a business case standpoint all the way through the, the application how it works before they make the major investment to scale and manage that network. Yeah. I would say one other thing if I have a moment, and that is in the past – you know, technology was always the inhibitor. People had this great imagination. They could imagine these products or services, but technology was always stopping them. And I always go back to the ebook. You yeah. know, the ebook came out in 2009, I believe. 2008. And I'll bet you 30 years before that, somebody imagined the ebook back when they were thinking about microcontrollers and what they could do with data. Yeah. The problem was the technology wasn't available. What I would argue with, with people today is, is that technology is no longer a limiter and won't be for some time. It's the, the imagination that is a limitation. 
and the imagination is no longer required for just the product. It's, it's required for the whole business case or solution. So people don't make products anymore. They make business processes that include technology, if that makes sense. And so I think the imagination is, is far behind the technology, and I think that's something that, that happened you know, somewhere several years ago. I, you know, that's that's an interesting statement that you make there, uh, that the imagination is behind the technology now, that we that it's almost like we have uh, too many things are possible. So narrowing down what specifically somebody might develop becomes like a, uh, an embarrassment of riches problem. <laughs> oh, God, I can do all this stuff. What do I do? And, you know, now you've got to drill that back and say, well, what's the business case for this? Um, which, uh, which leads me into the, the next thing that I'm, that I'm curious about. Uh, when it comes to investment in a traditional sense, you know, uh, you know, an investor looks for a certain, you know, percentage of return on, uh, on their investment in a certain amount of time. And there's a calculus for that. Uh, every investor or investment firm has a different calculus they, that they look for, but uh, you know it's it's usually somewhere between five and ten x if they're uh, if they're hoping to to be very successful. Is there a, an established calculus yet uh, for IoT, or is somebody is there a sort of guidebook for that yet for a company to look at when they want to invest in the technology? I don't think so, Ken, and the reason I say that is because IoT is not a narrow niche or a vertical. It's a horizontal that spans literally yeah. every industry and every job function within every company. And, and, and so it's hard to, 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 to put a number on something that's so diverse. I can tell you from a business case standpoint, one of the things that we think we can accelerate with, with customers in understanding ROI is we have pre-built applications for certain vertical markets. So we can go to a customer, we can tell them normally, if you're in the, in the factory business, these are the KPIs that people measure. Or if you're in the uh, smart retail, these are the KPIs that you measure. Or if you're in healthcare, these are some of the metrics that you have. And we have already have built up web-based and, and, and uh, mobile-based applications that run there as a starting point for our customers. So, you know, we try to accelerate the imagination by giving people a starting point and helping them think, finish out the rest and do the financial model based on what we think the infrastructure cost is before they even go to the technology. It is a mistake to go start monkeying around with technology before you even have a business case. Yeah. And in most cases, what you're trying to achieve is achievable is a question for how much. How much of a factor is the sort of consumer media, do you think, in terms of this calculus, this uh, figuring out the risk-reward here? I mean, I think we all are familiar with the fact that anytime IoT gets mentioned in the consumer or sort of uh, top-line tech media, it's either a security breach or a Tesla crashed into something, or it's a, it's a negative case. Very rarely is there a positive case that shows up in the, the top-line media, so there's this broad sort of perception problem. Is that is that much of a hurdle in the actual you know decision makers room, where they're deciding what to implement and how? 
So are, are you talking about the, the secure connection and being hacked? Or sure, are you security, talking about hacking, failing, failure of, of, uh, of connectivity, the thought pieces about like, well, if we connect our power grid up to the Internet, then terrorists are going to come. You know, all those sort of thought pieces that, you know, I've written, you know, we've all, we've all read them and, and I've, and I've written some of them and, and, you know, there's valid arguments to be made there. And, and that part of the thinking has to be a, an issue. I'm just wondering how much of that is affecting the decision-making process on the, the business line side, you know, as to, it, I think security is certainly, I, I, yeah, I think, uh, Ken, security is certainly an issue. But I think security is evolving fairly rapidly. You know, Microsoft came out recently with this, the Azure Sphere end-to-end yeah. -end security that, that Abnet was privileged enough to, to get as a, uh, the, the sole distributor for this moment in time. I think they take the, the best form of security possible, and then there's other forms of security that are less secure but less expensive and lower cost and lower power. So I think, I think you're starting to see those evolve. So you can pick the secu security scenario. Beyond that, I don't think people are afraid to fail because there are enough positive things happening with IoT. Everybody understands that Uber is successful and it's convenient, and it's upended the entire you know, uh, market for transportation. Uh, maybe they don't recognize that as IoT. But, I mean, there's other areas of success, and their next thermostat is yet another. It's only when you get bad press that people start thinking about you know the problems with security, but overall, I don't think I don't think the fear of failure is stopping people from from IoT. I, I think it goes back to the risk of implementation, and do they understand that they need their business case? And the people that are most likely to implement in the industrial world are, are business line managers, and and not only do they have to understand IoT, they've got to be able to explain it to other people to get mm -hmm. the stakeholders involved in agreement that everybody needs to make the investment and everybody needs to, to, to realize that they can disrupt their own business. Yeah, that makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And so as we, get, uh, as we get near the end of time here, I'm, I'm curious, what haven't we talked about yet that's important to, to get to here that the listeners really ought to be thinking about as maybe they're looking to make a, an IoT investment or uh, perhaps to pitch one to their, their higher-ups or even to be the one... Uh, offering to uh, to implement, you know, for a client. I think, I think if you take a look at all the people and you go to a trade show with IoT, there's all these people that do pieces of the solution. There's even people called aggregators that try to put together two or three pieces and then point you to the other direction. I think the, the, the message that I would like to get across is I think that AdNet and other organizations will develop solutions where they take ownership for the whole implementation, from the consulting and the business case all the way through the implementation, and 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 stay with the customer through lifecycle management. And I think I think if if they were to approach somebody that knows what they're doing, they can very quickly become at ease, regardless of what portion of that they're talking about. I think the thing they have to be careful of is when people say yeah, we can do that, we're end-to-end, -end. we're one-stop shop. They need to stop and, take, and have that, that person or that vendor walk them through the process and tell them how. Because the how part is the most important thing. People can talk at high levels about all the things that, 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 that can be discussed about IT all day long, mm -hmm. but it's when you get into a phone call and you're trying to accomplish something 
from learning to implementing to sustaining and maintaining, it's there where you learn, you know, how it's done. And, and if, if I get a customer call and I tell them, you know what, I don't know how to do that, but I'll go find a partner and it takes me four weeks to get back to them and then we're still fumbling around after eight weeks, there's no security there. Right. If, I, if I tell a customer, I can do these three things, but there's these four other guys you have to go talk to, you'll probably never hear them again. Right, right. So I think I think the thing is is there you know Adnet will be out there and there will be other people out there that take responsibility for the whole solution, and you need to find those people that have defined processes and have the financial background and the footprint to stand behind them for a long period of time to be able to try to disrupt your own industry or gain competitive advantages that weren't possible without the advent of technology and IoT years ago. For sure, you know it's funny. Uh, how many of the conversations that I'm having lately boil down to the trusted partner? You know, it it, it the it, it's becoming more and more clear to me every day that the sort of heart of the IoT is in the trusted partnership of a lot of different vendors, a lot of different companies working together well, and and having uh, the sort of end user be able to work with the trusted partner to handle the relationships and the implementations at the full life cycle because there's just too many moving parts for most end users to to wrap their head around all together it seems like the the sort of partnership element of the IoT seems just mission critical to the to the whole process uh, uh, more and more clear every day you're absolutely right Ken absolutely right well, we're starting to uh, we're starting to wrap it up here. Why don't you tell the folks so they can find out more about you and uh, about Avnet? Uh, you can find everything you need to know about Avnet IoT by uh, logging on to avnet.com/iot. Uh, my name is Lou Lutostansky, and uh, on the site you can be able to get contact with with other folks within our organization. But we encourage you to call. We think we've put together a great ecosystem. Uh, we think we've got processes defined. Uh, we think we can walk you through everything, and, and when you call us, we won't be looking for people. We've got our, our, our ecosystem in place, and we won't send you anywhere else. <laughs> so uh, we, we welcome the opportunity to uh, help people with their IoT visions. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lou. Folks, all of that information will be in the uh, show notes uh, underneath uh, where you're streaming this episode. And we really appreciate you listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, please remember to uh, subscribe to uh, Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. Uh, I'd like to, of course, thank Lou Lutsansky and Avnet for being my guests today. It's been a great discussion, Lou. Uh, I, think, uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there that, that folks are going to really value. Uh, folks, I have been Ken Briota, your host. Thank you so much for, uh, for listening in and uh, joining us for this discussion. Well, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. Make sure you go online to check out more content on how you can monetize the connected world at 151advisors.com. That's 151advisors.com for all the information and content like this podcast that will help you power your business and monetize your business into the next phase of the IoT. Thank you again for listening to Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. I am your host, Ken Briota, signing off. See you next time.